Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. Hi, it's Jake again. Um, we're beginning one of my favorite episodes today that we have recorded, honestly. Um, and no shade to the other episodes. This one just, this is like when I dreamed of making this show, this is like really, we really get down to it. This episode is with one of the first people I ever worked with in New York City, one of my very, f- very first friends in New York City, um, a woman who I love, admire, and adore. Um, she is a wildly successful sommelier who has worked all over New York City in some of the greatest restaurants, which you're going to hear all about in this conversation. Um, but yeah, we worked together at my first restaurant job. And this episode is just, we really talk about a lot and we really get into the wine of it all. So I'm going to stop talking once again so you can get into it. Um, please enjoy me going out with Erica O'Neill. Hi, my love. Hi, I'm so proud of you. I'm oh, so proud of you. You are what? one of... No, because you're like one of my most, I was like thinking about this earlier today before when I knew we were recording, I was like, Erica is one of my most fascinating friends. Like you've lived multiple lives in terms of like career. And Oh my God. But in a way where it's like you are, you're like a jack. It's like you're a master of, it's like you're a, you're a jack of all trades, master of all. Like you're so good at all the things. Like it's kind of wild to me. And like. So to give context for the listener, Erica and I worked together at my first restaurant job in New York, and Erica was a sommelier there and went on and had went on to have a very impressive career as a sommelier and was someone I leaned on enormously when I first was in New York for like how the fuck like to, I I showed up to New York knowing literally that there was red and white wine. That's it. Like did not know anything and really depended on Erica for knowledge and learning and surviving. And Erica leaned on me when they made her work floor shifts and she needed a good (laughs) server. So it was a really symbiotic relationship in a lot of ways. But the Oh my god i just don't understand still like no one told me when i of course accepted the job like hey fyi you're gonna be you know serving a couple shifts and i was like come again uh, <laughs> i'm gonna need your your like best support team and of course you've like been a server before and yeah could have done my job like i closed <laughs> and i was just panic attack the entire time like jake fix this <laughs> and then i would be like someone just said a word i don't know the meaning of can you go get whatever they asked for and you'd yeah. be like what did i say and i'd be like nebbiolo and you'd be like okay yeah, fine jesus <laughs> it was just such a different time oh, but it's so i look back on it very fondly but one of the so there was like a litany of reasons i wanted mm-hmm. to interview you great one is i realized if, as i've been doing this show we haven't interviewed anyone who has 
really worked in fine dining. And that is, I think, something that would be at this point kind of like an area of expertise for you. You really did the fine dining thing. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because I'm so not fine dining. Well, that is specifically, Erica, that's specifically (laughs) why I wanted to talk to you about it is because I was like, I want to talk to somebody who has been in fine dining and done it and worked it and really mastered it, but like didn't drink the Kool-Aid on it. Like, I think like you are someone like I, I like, what, what is your sign? Wait. Leo. I mean, okay. kind of obvious. Yeah, that is kind of obvious. Because <laughs> you're someone, I just like, the reason, like, tying back to the jack of all trades, master of all thing, is like, you are someone who, like, I, I very much can see that when you're like, oh, I like this thing, I will become greater at it than anyone in the world. Like, that is kind of how I feel like you yes. approach tasks. Yes. I have plan A, that is it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Seriously, like it doesn't matter what it's going to take for me to get to that point or achieve said thing. I'm just going to do it because I just, I just know I'm, I can do it. You know, it's not like a why, it's just a why not. And yeah, everything I've done. So, so yeah. And so I think, no, not at all because I think it's, it's, so, um, you ended up going on to be one of the, on the sommelier team at 11 Madison Park. Yes. Which, you know, some would consider is like, the highest achievement you could get in terms of like yeah. that, if you're playing the game, like you fucking yeah, did it. Absolutely. Like EMP is, that's the big yeah. leagues. That's the, that's the, that's the majors for sure. That is, it is. It's like no one, it's no one's first radio there. You know what I mean? Totally. Like all of us on the SOM team, it was such a large team, but all of us were like fucking pros. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. Swear as okay, much as you sure. want. Eric, Which is Erica, also they hired me. I'm, people are like, can yeah. I guess something? They hired me. Are you joking? Well, actually, it's funny because, you know, when just like a quick summation of, of EMP, I mean, they had been asking me for almost a year. And I was like, guys, like, I like, thank you. So flattered. I'm not type A. Like, I cuss on the floor. I do my own thing. And they're like, no, no, this is what we want. And I'm like, okay, but like, are you sure? So do you get what um, I'm actually signing? You're like, actually you signing up for with me. Yeah, exactly. And I think that because my approach is a little bit more like everyone calm down. It's just wine. It's going to be fine. Like you don't need to take it so yeah. incredibly like shut the fuck up about aspects of the vineyard and the name of the horse. People just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> is, is the wine delicious are they gonna like it like full stop that's it yeah like all the other stuff that's going on in your head and that you know and that you've learned is like extra it's cherry on the top but it's not you know like people don't go out to like learn <laughs> not necessarily it's you know just what I like mean? It, i think that is exactly why i lent on you so hard for like when i was trying to learn about wine and figure out how to work in a restaurant that sold really expensive fancy wine because yeah. I just remember like one time being in a wine class for my, the restaurant we worked at together would have, and many New York high-end restaurants and not just New York restaurants, many high-end restaurants have like mandatory wine classes for the servers and the bartenders to learn about the things they're selling, which is great. Right. I remember being in a wine class that you were not running and someone was like, so I think when you're approaching selling this wine to a table, the story really starts with a barn they erected in 1606. And I was like, I'm fucked. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like I'm never going to remember all these details. And like, also, like how, what are you talking about? I like, know. Like, <laughs> I know. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry for all of you young sommeliers who might be listening to this. Like, Believe me, it doesn't matter. It really. And then I remember you had a wine. I think they had you take over the wine education program or something at one point. But I remember you being like, "Okay, so here's the thing. This is day one. 
I'm going to teach you what acidity feels like in your mouth. And then you told me, and I was like, oh, I've been like right. lying this whole time. Like I will right. never forget showing up to that restaurant on the first day of work. And it was like at lineup, they poured everyone a wine and they were like, all right, so what are people analyzing? And I remember looking over and Allie McManus had like the glass tilted and was looking at it through the light. And I was like, and I was like, I'm fucked. Like, I don't even know what she's doing. Like there was just so I many probably, moments. Oh I promise you, Allie was also probably like, I think this is what I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Nothing against Allie. Like she's fucking amazing and so great. But like, and, I love her story about having to ask like the specs of a Negroni, like as she was a bartender. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, it's so funny. You know, it's just, man, what, what an yeah. incredible class we had. That, that, Truly. That, that, but that I just remember like, like so many moments like that, like another Allie, it's funnily enough, it's Allie McManus again, but I remember one time <laughs> they put up a thing, they put up like a new rabbit dish and I was sitting next to Allie and there were olives on and she went, oh my God, I'm obsessed with Tajiaska olives. And I was like, (laughs) and I literally was like, oh my God, there's names for the different kind of olives. I'm fucked. Like, just like it kept on going. Like people would be like, so this is this kind of olive. And I was like, I I literally would have told you like little brown. Like I'm fucked. But you were like very, the the practical approach I think is really powerful. And I think that people don't know that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest tools you have. I mean, before, you know, New York, I, my... (laughs) The first restaurant I worked at was Frosca Food and Wine in Boulder, Colorado, which is, I mean, they don't have Michelin ratings in Colorado, but if they did, you know. They'd be there. It, of course. It's it's the best restaurant in the state, let alone one of the best restaurants in the country. And it was just such a masterclass of understanding and appreciating, you know, service and hospitality and the fact that there are differences, right? Service is about executing the basics hospitality is about how you make people feel. And so for me, you know, having that kind of be the first real kind of eye-opening experience and it, you know, let's talk about not drinking the Kool-Aid. I mean, Bobby looked up to Danny Meyer and Will Gadara like so much, like our first, you know, um, like, uh, chef takeover was chef Hume and will came like in 2012 like right after they had taken over the restaurant you know opened the nomad gotten their four star right up and then just decided to like scrap it all and change their menu and i was like oh my god like these like cool restaurateurs from new york are coming to colorado I mean, yeah, they were like rock stars at that point in time like in the i mean industry. and like how crazy that i was kind of like the fly on the wall you know yeah wait I no just... offense but how did you get that job as your first restaurant job <laughs> Like, how did you? This is a good story. So I have a mechanical engineering background. Went to grow On like fucking oil rigs, right? Like you used to work on on oil oil rigs. rigs. Yeah. Exactly. So this is what I'm saying, guys. Like Erica is the most fascinating person. (laughs) But like, you know, once you're an engineer, you're always an engineer. Like engineering, being an engineer and being a sommelier, it's actually incredibly similar in a lot of ways. You're a problem solver. But so I grew up in Atlanta, went to school at Tech. Um, graduated and moved to Louisiana, um, yes, to work for a, an oil field service company, uh, which is like kind of cringy to say because I had actually focused on renewable energy <laughs> <laughs> my senior year, but I graduated in 2008. So there was no, yeah, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, this is like the energy sector. I guess I'll do this. Um, and plus, you know, the headquarters were in France and I had studied abroad in France in college. My boyfriend was half French, half English. I was like, cool, cool. I'm still going to be able to travel. This sounds great. Moved to Louisiana, (laughs) not understanding that I was actually signing up for an incredibly physical labor job. 
um the oh, technology God. is from like the 70s and hasn't changed it's just giant mechanical pieces of equipment that you attach you know with like 50 pound pipe hammering together flanges that kind of thing but honestly i loved it because i love working with my hands so my last yeah, job we're not desk people <laughs> yeah exactly we're not desk people my last job was helping <laughs> the cleanup for the 2010 no. oil spill <laughs> i was on a rig about 50 miles from it so i'm like deep sea in the gulf right once you open a well fyi like communication kind of is like limited so for about 36 hours after the oil spill happened like i'm on the deck and so when i finally call home my parents are freaking the fuck out you know they knew i was on like a halliburton job this whole thing anyways so i very quickly you know turn around my job and they they send us out to the cleanup site and i will never forget like coming over because you got you got to take a helicopter right coming over the site and seeing like the massive oil spill and then jake like being on the deck the small breaks the waves were brown and i was just like this is not okay (laughs) i'm dying laughing i'm dying laughing right now because i'm fast forwarding to when i met you three years later and someone (laughs) and someone would be like someone would be like table 37 was served anchovies and they don't like anchovies and everyone would be like fuck and you were like i was at the bp oil spill I'm just truly, I didn't know this context, and it's so funny. It's so funny. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying this because I'm sorry, this is not exactly what you asked me, but I I don't care. Like, it's this is heaven. So I get back on shore, and I literally like go to one of my superiors, uh, engineers, and I was like, yo, dude, like, listen, like, I think I'm fucking out. By that time, I had already been, you know, cutting out a little bit early to extend my lunch break to go home and watch like Anthony Bourdain or reservations at, at my house. You know what I mean? Like I just, I was just, yeah, it's just not what I wanted to do. And I had a really great exposure first to food and wine and wining and dining through, you know, <laughs> dating my college boyfriend because the first time yeah. I had wine was with his family and it was like a five course meal experience. I'd never drank in high school so I show up to their house. His father's like, gin and tonic, but, but with a lemon, because it's the English way. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Can I just like, <laughs> And then we had like a 97 St. Emilia. And I remember that specifically. I don't know the producer. And then we Your finished. Your first like, glass of wine was a 97? That's so funny. Well, before this, I did tell my parents like, hey, you guys, I'm going over to Alistair's parents' house. I've never drank alcohol. Um what do I do? So my mom goes to fucking Kroger, picks up KJ Chardonnay off the shelf, <laughs> not even chilled, brings it home, it's opens like it. Butter. It's like liquid butter. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? People drink this? Like, no, I can't do this. I'm going to fail. So of course, like going under that circumstance to, you know, European household who we finished the night with cognac and cigars. Like it was like such a crazy experience. So I've just been very lucky along the way of being aligned with the right people. I feel so I, so I get on shore. I basically walk into my manager's office and I was like, I can't do this. I'm done. I'm sorry. Um, And he's like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I, you know, when I lived in France, I like went to this restaurant and there was someone there specifically just to like serve wine with the dinner. And that's like kind of fucking cool. And I think I'm just going to like do that. 
And so like very early on, this is like, again, 2010, I was just like, I just want to be a sommelier. Having no idea like what that actually meant. Right, like what that looks like on a day-to-day basis as a job. Right. So I found a course in California, drove myself out to California, studied under, it was a master sommelier, David Glancy, who um, now opened a a restaurant, a school in San Francisco, just it's basically like wine prep. It was a 11 week intense course to get you ready to pass your first two exams. And I was like, this is my way in because I had never worked in a restaurant, but I knew how to study. So that was, I was like, this is going to be my, you know, entry. Um, maybe I'll pass these two exams, the certified exam, the intro exam, uh, through the quartermaster sommeliers. And then, you know, I'm a sob. Totally. Dear God. So I had um, met someone in Louisiana who was from Colorado originally, and we were doing long distance when I just decided to blow the whole thing up. And we were getting serious about each other. And it was like, all right, well, let's figure this out. Let's find a home base um, and decide what we want to do. I'm from Atlanta. I didn't want to go back to Georgia. Sorry, mom, dad. Um, and he's from Colorado. And I'm like, well, cool. Like I'm outdoorsy. Sounds great. Yeah, I love living in different place. places. Yeah, absolutely. So we moved um, to Colorado, this town called Greeley, uh, which is north of Denver, about an uh, hour and a half. And before I left, I you know talked to the master sommeliers I studied with. And I said, hey, I'm moving to Colorado. Like, what do I do? What's my next step? Yeah. And they, all they said was find Bobby Stuckey. Okay. <laughs> go, go work for him. And I was like, cool, you got it. And then you so I made a reservation. I showed up to the <laughs> restaurant half an hour early and they were like, we open at five 30 and I was like, fine, I'll just wait here. <laughs> and I, we sit down and, um, you know, I ask for him immediately and he comes over and I, <laughs> I just stand up and like shove my hand in his face. And I said, my name is Erica and I've studied with these people and I've never worked in a restaurant. I will do whatever it takes. I'll wash dishes. I'll, you know, clean the floor. I just want to learn. Like, I just, I just don't know. Yeah. And I, I honestly, to this day, and, and Bob and I have talked about this like a few times and he's recalled it too. Like, I just don't know why he even, like took a chance with me honestly he just kind of like smiled and like gave me his card and like his cell phone number was written on it and he was like just call me in a few weeks and I did and we had a great conversation and you know he very much explained to me it didn't matter if I had walked in that day as a master sommelier already like everyone starts with the basics you start in the polishing room you start you know at the dish station and for me my journey started in reservations so he hired me a couple months later answering phones, making reservations, and then kind of quickly got promoted to reservations manager, front of the house manager, yada, yada. Um, I basically created a junior sommelier position at Prosca. <laughs> Just got to elbow <laughs> like, your way in. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you got to have to make, like, no one's going to hand things to you. You have to make opportunities for yourself. And, and yes. it's like how we do it in the restaurant about anticipating guests needs. Like, yeah, exactly. You, you do the same thing for a restaurant, right? Like you notice that this task isn't getting done. We had um, a red wine cellar and a white wine cellar. The red wine cellar, you know, 
I'm sure it's not the case anymore, but there was like mold growing on the ceiling. And so I just like casually suggested to our wine director one day, like, hey, why don't I just come in one day a week and clean the wine cellar? And he yeah. was like, why not? You know, if as long as it doesn't interfere with your other job here. So it's honestly what I did. And, you know, once summertime came, we opened a patio. So it was like two new sections in the restaurant that, you know, we needed another person out there uh, for wine service. And I was just like, <laughs> just like I'm here. So. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, that's so much of what it is in any, Oh no, but like that's, it's true. That's it's true in the restaurant industry. And it's also true. It's kind of true in any industry that I've worked in, which I guess is, I say any industry I've worked in, which is entertainment and restaurants. It's too, right. but like in both, it is kind of like, you have to kind of like hustle and do what you're good at and also, but also do what's needed and then see right. opportunities of like, Oh, I think there's an opening for this. And if I do this, it's going to work. And yeah, that's for sure. you kind of have to just like play that game. And I think that's what's it's, I love talking to you and I love talking to Charlotte about the restaurant industry because it's so nice to talk to people who worked in it and loved it. And it was like, they yeah. were all in and getting yes. to like, kind of see that, like, because like you get to know restaurants and the restaurants specifically that you are working in so intimately and like right. restaurants are such a beast and such a, especially like big fancy restaurants are such a beast and such a machine. And it becomes this thing that you become like a master of like, I know how this yes. restaurant works more than anyone. And there's such like a power to that. Yes. It's and like I the 10,000 hours thing. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a craft and I chose to be in the service industry, you yeah. know, like I, I, in some ways I consciously did know what I was getting into, but even through all of the other stuff that no one really tells you about, you know, like the double doubles, like yeah. the, the, the crazy, you know, 20 table sections, the, you know, totally. the type of people you're going to serve. I, I just loved it. I just ate it all up right away. You know, yeah, and I'm I was curious, like, what was more the great. draw for you? Like what was more the draw for you? Like the, like, the wine nerdiness of this and like your love of wine or service, like working with wine and people like, yeah, it's like wine. Isn't my passion. I know how crazy that sounds. I mean, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I, I grew up throwing dinner parties for my friends, like in high school, like I made us all like wear black dresses and like suburban Atlanta, (sighs) you know, to like my house. hundred percent. So I just, I think I just really loved you know, the fact that sitting around a table brings people together. And obviously my experience of traveling, uh, you know, really hit that, that point home. And, you know, our culture, I think in some ways is so behind (laughs) like what food and family and all that kind of, you know, meshing well together, how important that is. And so for me, wine Wine was so great because it's something that you're never going to know everything about. <laughs> like, I just love to learn. 100%. Yeah. You know? And, and it can you surprise can, you even if you know it so well. Yeah. I mean, you can be confident and humble at the same time, right? Yes. Like, confident to know that you know your shit, humble enough to know that the shit you know isn't half of the shit to know. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and that's honestly what I really liked about it. And it was kind of freeing in a way. You know, going through the grueling examinations, yeah. it was like, you know, who cares? Honestly, like if I didn't remember like the aging, like, yeah, you know, like Separavi or something, which I'm sure you know, since you worked <laughs> at Kindred and Ruffian, but like, I don't know, you know, no, like, totally. so I, I just, for me, I, 
I think service is actually really addicting as well. Like there's nothing better than, you know, being a part of someone's kind of life in a very short span. And I I think being a song. It's addicting because when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad. But when it's good, it's so good. Right. Totally. And I think being a sommelier is actually easier in a lot of ways for a few reasons, because it's like a sprint, right? Like you, you go to the table, you're like, an amazing charming person for 30 seconds people think you are like a genius you make the host look like a fucking boss and then you go away and you come back and you serve it and you're like oh my god this is amazing and then it's like all right server <laughs> here you go you it's know? like being we, do you know it's like being a psalm is like being an uncle or like an aunt it's like when the <laughs> yeah, baby starts yeah, yeah. to cry you're yeah, like yeah, i'm gonna yeah. go to your mom and it's totally, like you're totally, totally. <laughs> totally 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 even though i do 100% believe this. Like, if you're going to be a sommelier, you should be the best service person on the floor. Like, you you better know how to do everyone's job and be very fucking good at it. Because, because you all are also kind of like, there are moments when the psalm maybe doesn't have much to do. And it's like, if the psalm is able to do anything else, that's really a fucking lifesaver. 100%. I, do, I haven't thought about that in a long time because I haven't worked since the restaurant you and I worked at. I haven't worked in a restaurant that had psalms specifically on the floor yeah exactly and i remember like the difference between a shift where i knew like okay like eric is a psalm and i can be like help me and like you could either be like actually i can't right now or like yeah i got you and the psalms who would kind of be like that's not my job was like night and day like what are you doing like the most important thing is running hot food i don't know how many times i have to like tell this (laughs) to people like if the table's not meased then the food can't drop. And then you can't do your, you know, yeah. also, I am a cool like, person. The wine's been waiting for 75 years. It can wait two more minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, there are, of course, sometimes, and, you know, there was this one time at EMP, I kind of got into it with my favorite captain. You know, we had captains there who were, yeah. uh, you know, who would run the section. And it was like, I mean, he is such a fucking superstar and had been there for so long. And, you know, and yeah. they... Me and him worked together a lot because, like, you know, we were great. <laughs> we the best, were the, the best. The be- best <laughs> with the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we just we had very similar like energy and vibes, and like he didn't take himself too seriously either. But Amazing. there was this one time where you know we had a bunch of VIPs in our section. Like Daniel Bulu just showed up to like an eight top, just like showed up, and we brought him a chair, and you know, so I was like fuck me i gotta go get you know this table's wine i gotta do you, you think, know i think about this a lot like do you think when you're a food celebrity you're like like you're like i'm such like just knowing like i'm kind of ruining everyone's night if i show up to a restaurant <laughs> I know. like, like I mean, i'm like does pete wells understand that like if pete wells shows up to a restaurant it's like everyone's like fuck my ass like yeah, why I know. Like, like all of a sudden obviously they love the industry they work in it but like right. there's like that there's like that echelon of people where like if they walk in the door like everyone's like mother like, totally i mean like i've served so many celebrities that i don't get starstruck like the only person i ever got starstruck was uh president barack obama which i don't know if you were there for that shift i but... missed it by like two weeks oh my god well thank but god i was there for i was there for um i was there for kim and kanye so that was yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that was good oh yeah i was there too i was like the closing psalm and i remember them walking downstairs 11 30 and i'm like <laughs> like we're closed <laughs> oh no but anyways um so, yeah, I, so he, he, you know, he, he comes in and as you mentioned, I mean, he's a pro, he knows obviously the restaurant industry and I am like, okay, 
Stephen, I have to go get this wine because I hand selected these pairings for this table. And he's like, no, I need you to muse this table for me. And I was like, Stephen, I have to go to the cellar and get this wine. And he was like, this table needs to be mused. And I was like, Stephen, the server <laughs> can mise the table. I'm the only one who has keys yeah. to the wine cellar, you know, and it was like this crazy moment because again, we had never had any conflict and, you know, at, at EMP, when you're on the floor, it's obviously can get intense in high situations. Like you never argue on the floor, especially guest facing. You just say we, and you move on. And maybe at the end of the shift, you know, you talk about Unpack so like, something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we, yes, I hear you. Um, side, side note, we'll talk about this later. So, <laughs> but like after service, like neither one of us was willing to give up our position about <laughs> who was right. You know, it was like, no, Steven, come on, man. Like, yeah, totally. Like I, like we literally lock our cellar. So yeah. who has the keys to go get this wine? You know, he's like, ask a manager. I'm like the managers have keys. Like I, and like the manager's not going to go find this bottle and 20,000 bottle it's also just seller? so like, industry on. that you're getting worked up about this right now like that it still <laughs> lives in your bones that you're like getting mad it's so hope, industry it's just so funny i hope he i hope he hears this and it's just like yeah you erica you know like i <laughs> this, i love like, i'm still right steven okay this so, is so, yeah. why you're such a fucking bomb som is because <laughs> what you love is service not and like you love wine but like what you what brought you to the job is service because i feel like i worked with so many psalms who were wine fucking nerds and viewed service as kind of like the shit sandwich they had to eat with their job like do you know what i mean right. it's like well, I, that's the yes. thing i have to do to work with the thing i love totally and every single time those people were like you know what i'm gonna go work harvest and they would quit the restaurant like i know like, and it's like god bless like do you know what yeah <clears throat> go work in wine in somewhere where you right. don't have to deal with guests because it's not serving anyone for you to do this it's the wrong job for you Right. I mean, look, no matter how high you climb, even if you're the owner of a restaurant, you're always going to be cleaning the toilets. That's it. Yep. You know, and, and if you don't understand it's that, it's part of the industry. Like you don't work as a sommelier just to be a sommelier. You work to be a service professional. And that's just your, you know, your your niche, your little specialty. So I, you know, I I, I can't tell you like how hard it is, though. You know, like, no offense, social media and whatnot, but but like the surgeons of like the celebrity psalm. The last few times, you know, I was a manager, like hiring young psalms. It, it was kind of, you know, frustrating because again, I came from the 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 school of Bobby Stuckey of just being like, no, you need to master everything, yeah. and like, if I need you to come in early to help, like, you know, the chef set up tables for a photo shoot, like, don't give me any lip about it, like you chose to work in the restaurant. It's not yeah. like you can't just pick and choose, you know, like if, if you're yeah. a team player, then you, you know, you're, you're not like a freelancer. Team. You're not a freelancer showing up like on a contract yeah. to do a specific thing. And if you are, God totally. bless. But like, if right. you're not like, this is part of the job. Yeah. It's yeah. like, no, you know, so. I mean, what? <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, I just, well, I was going to pay that. I just wanted to, I realized like, cause you you were just talking about like, I'm curious. Cause we've, I don't think we've ever talked about this about your feelings in terms of like psalms and credentials your feelings about the psalm guild and like getting the te- like taking the test and getting the certifications or like you know i've worked with some amazing sommeliers who they all they've had all they have is their resume there's no right. certifications they haven't done the process and i'm and as someone who has done it but also has the resume and has worked with i think both those people and has respect for both people i'm just curious your thoughts on it yeah i mean 
again, as I already mentioned, for me, you know, getting involved with the guilds and the courts and stuff was a way of entry. And it was really nice because, you know, it's such a, a small craft niche again, outside of like what New York, Chicago, LA, like the job kind of doesn't exist yeah. in a weird way. And, but I, I always thought in the it's back funny, it's of like my being an mind, actor, I've never thought about that, but it's like, yeah. you kind of have to be like a couple cities. Yeah. Like I always respected the history of the position, you know, sommelier means wine waiter in French. Like yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> the court of master sommeliers in America did not invent being a sommelier. Right. Totally. You know? And so, you know, I don't live and die by the facts in the books. I think that being a good sommelier is getting that real world life experience and working the floor. I, you know, it's funny because there are a lot of really great sommeliers who, you know, kind of push their way through the exams and then you know, even if they get to the third level and you put them on the floor and they're just like deer in the headlights, you know, like that's not really helpful either. So some of the most well-respected Psalms, even in New York city, like don't have those certifications. You don't need those certifications by any means, whether it's WSET or, you know, CMA, whatever, to be a sommelier, to be a sommelier is being a good listener. Like, you know, first and foremost, because it's not about the wine that you're cool, you're excited about or that you like or that you want to sell that evening it's about what the fucking person in front of you wants yes and having the knowledge behind you know in your mind is obviously incredibly important as a sommelier you can't there's no faking it till you make it as a psalm unfortunately um like people are going to be like you know what's burgundy and if you're like oh it's cabernet sauvignon like like that's not cool like it's pinot noir yeah. you know what i mean so you have to have that knowledge but how you get there is is less important as long as you keep seeking out the education and you know i know that there's been a lot of ups and downs with the main um you know testing uh group in in yeah our country right now um because again it was something that originated in europe and the uk that i think that their core values i you know like they're good people you know what i mean like well they now are (laughs) 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 not to get into it but you know you kind of have to keep your eye on the prize of of why you're why you're doing this and if if the reason you're taking these exams is because you think it's like the cool thing or, you know, you're going to get invited on that wine trip or, you know, then, then you're not in it for the right reasons, honestly. Like you should be doing it to to push yourself. I I know. I feel like when you and I met like seven, eight years ago, like that fucking Psalm documentary had just come out. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was like, and it was very much like, there was sort of this cult of like worship around master yes. psalms is an idea that like, if you are a master psalm, you are like this fucking God who has like yeah. superpowers. And it's like, 100%. and I feel like that was, I was really seeing, <clears throat> and I'm sure you were too. That was like permeating the restaurant industry in New York city. Yes. Like people were in a real thinking way. about in a really intense way. And I think in a <laughs> yeah. really bad way. Like I think yes. I really, because it was like, you know, like there was this sort of, thing where like psalms were becoming celebrities in the way that like a chef could become a celebrity and right. like that's 
always bad. Right. <laughs> like, 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 like psalms are assholes, okay? Like, when someone's I mean, like, I'm working at a restaurant and it's like a celebrity chef, I'm like, you are going to need to quit or get on Lexapro real quick. Right. Like just FYI. Totally. But it's like, totally. but it's like it, this kind of thing where it was, be, it became about, I saw a lot of people be humming about like, like I remember getting asked tableside, like what level is that sommelier? Like what? Right. it's like, Right. And it, I, and like at the restaurant we worked at, I had to be like, let me go get them, find them out and ask him. I know, suck your dick. But like now I'd be like, they are absolutely incredible and qualified and they're going to get you wine you love. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's also why like I, I'm such an anti-SOM, SOM. Like I would always tell anyone I worked with or when I was managing, like, do not say that the sommelier is going to be over. Use my fucking name. Like, yeah. Like just say Erica's yeah. gonna be over Fuck and yeah. and she'll help you select something, you know. And then and then it's like, of course, if people want to know and they want to ask, like they'll ask. But I think it's just like, you know, repeating the word over and over again feeds into this like, you know, persona of like the sommelier and yeah. And, like, when I worked at that kin- wall, yeah. Know? When I worked at Kindred, I had to really like for context, like Kindred, like Kindred doesn't have sommeliers, Kindred. Right does it but every server at kindred is like expected and also really fostered to yes. like fucking know that list like yeah. they do an amazing job of getting you to drink everything on the list and taste everything on the list and ask it's a really safe learning environment which right. creates like you learn a lot about the wine of and the region that you're serving and that kind of wine you're serving like really quickly totally and but i had to the another thing i had to learn there was kind of throwing an elbow when people would be like i need the sommelier and i'd be like i'm your fucking som like i'm your right. server but like i'm telling right. you like talk right. to me about i'm the you person want. you're looking for there's yeah. not another person but that's yeah. not like a lack that's not like a thing this restaurant doesn't feature like i'm also that it's a new feature of me so like right. tell me what the fuck you want and like yeah. really having to assert especially because the one of the owners is a sommelier right and she does, does design the list and so right. people would be like i'd have really busy nights where people would be like I need to speak to Alexis and I'd be like, Alexis right. is incredible and yeah. I love her and she would yeah. get you an incredible piece of wine, but she's also doing payroll right now and right. is not on the floor and I, it's my job. So, and I'm telling you, like, I will get you just as good of a wine, like, right. Right. And learning, but it was that thing. It was always the people who wanted, they were like, I need someone with the title of sommelier. And I was like, I that is an illusion to you. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so frustrating. Cause I think it just goes against, so much like what the core of what a psalm is honestly like they they should be like an ally you know not not just for the guests but for you know the other parts of the of the team on the floor and like you know yeah. i had a hot hot stand at ruffian i don't know if you actually knew that Jake, i actually was... fully did not know this <laughs> so yeah so it was when i was opening uh italian and it just kept getting delayed and i was like fucking hell oh money. this is now ringing a bell and so i texted moshe who's one of the owners um yeah. of the group and uh, I, you know, met with Pat and Alexis pretty soon after. And they were like, <laughs> they were just, first of all, I absolutely, they're, they're the best. They're just so amazing. Like, and I just yeah. absolutely loved my time there. It kind of reminded me of, you know, when I used to work at this wine bar and it was just like so much fun, but they, you know, so humbly and so sweetly were like, but you're like a, you know, you're like a real psalm and and I was like, (laughs) and I was like, I'm sorry, first of all, you both worked at like Layla bar and, you know, like had already had like so much wine experience. And I was like, listen, I don't know anything about really like 
your wine program. Like I don't, I don't, I've never worked with these kind of wines. I think it would be really fun and exciting for me. Like I have a lot to learn, you know, like I'm not, I'm not coming in here like whatever. And then literally Jake, my first day I get a call, (laughs) I get a call from wine spirits. Like I was nominated best new sommelier and it's like all over <laughs> the And I get, after I was like trying to explain to like these genuinely beautiful, wonderful people, like, I'm not like that. And then it's like, ah, oh, you're like, and the then you get like song. the headlines. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, God damn it. You know? So, I mean, I'm obviously very grateful for, for everything that I've, I've done, but you know, it's so funny as someone who, for me, like, I, I just want to like, I just want to like, sell the juice you know i just want to sling yeah. lines i i don't care how long you've been doing it where you are like you know yeah. and it's so that and was so for you really is the fine dining is like the draw to fine dining basically just the act that it gives you to like the coolest wines in the world yeah i mean listen after frasca moving to new york every restaurant was so much easier than, than that. even emp I mean, wait honestly even 100 wait 100%. whoa can you like elaborate a little bit why Yes, because, and I know that some of my EMP colleagues are going to like roll their eyes at this because I have Oh my said God, I'm obsessed with the idea of EMP being mad at me. Keep going. <laughs> like it was honestly like the easiest job I've, I've had in my career. And this is why. Because, okay, yeah, wait, tell me everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking. <laughs> because as I already alluded to, everyone was already a fucking pro. Like Well-oiled machine. All of us had already been managers before, run our own wine programs before, so it wasn't the managers that were managing us. Like everyone holds each other accountable there, you know? And, and it is a well-oiled machine because everyone does care so much. And I think that when you work in the service industry, whether you work at a diner or a fast casual or whatever, like if, if the person you're working with doesn't care as much as you do, it, it makes the job harder, right? Like it makes it less enjoyable. The, the hours seem longer, you know? And so it was just kind of like walking into this <laughs> weird enigma and, and just like, just like, all right, let's go. Like, let's just do our thing. And, and that was why I just, yeah, I think sense. I w- was successful there, even though being like, listen, I really don't think you guys want me. And it's, you know, they're like, no, we, we do. Because as we already talked about, like, like, you know, you know, you're, you know who you are, you know, your thing, you know, your weaknesses, you know, your and that's strengths. a testament to their hiring acumen to kind of yeah. see that specific trait in you and not really value anything else. Yeah. You know? and, and, and that's what they're looking for. They're not, it sounds crazy, but like, they're not honestly not really looking for the resume. They're looking for yeah. the, the person yeah. and to, you know, mesh with their culture. And so I, you know, I really thoroughly enjoyed my time. So there. what was so hard about the, the, um, Frasca? Frasca? Yeah. What, yeah. like, what made that so hard? <laughs> In a lot of ways, <laughs> similar to EMP, but I mean, you got to understand again, I was 24 yeah. and I had been, I just didn't know the rules of the game yet. And I had been yeah. promoted to like, you know, the scheduling manager after being there for six months. And I remember yeah. <laughs> like Rose, who is now the general manager, she's been there for 17 years or whatever, however yeah. long it's been open. She worked with, you know, Bobby at the Little Nell. So she, I just remember her coming up to me and she was like, we were closed on Sundays. She's like, hi, Erica, I hear you're doing the schedule now. Fantastic. So my days off are Monday. I am the closer on Tuesday and I'm the opener on Saturday. Okay, thank you. And then just like walked off and I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, 
you're like furiously taking notes you know like i just because i know i've been her where you get the email that's like hey a new person's doing the schedule and there's no actual documentation of all the things that you've earned with the previous scheduling manager yeah, yeah. and you're like all right let me put yeah. on my fucking armor and go get a gun and hold it to their head and be like this is what i need like right and also yeah and of course everyone's like older than i am you know and, yeah, and no, i've been doing insane. this and and so i was just kind of like i i also loved it though too how much trust you know you got in a, such a small mom and pop restaurant like frasca because you know even though my title was this i wore so many other small hats there was only when i started there was only like three maybe four really like managers on the team uh-huh. you know and so i it was kind of stepping up to that expectation and yeah. there were really high expectations um you know you don't you don't go in and work with the best in the business and it be a cakewalk you know like yeah. I, I i just i i'm still just in awe you know of everyone at that restaurant honestly is work ethic and all of them that i worked with are still there and have you know which really that speaks the more than anything else kind volumes, of volumes yeah. volumes and it, and it and it is bobby you know like i i don't know i I remember telling this to him when I left, like I only had three Saturdays off the entire almost three years I worked here. And like, I was never going to be the person who could, you know, get off a plane from Italy, uh, go straight to the restaurant, work the floor, have manager meal until 2 a.m. and then get up at 5 a.m. and run 10 miles. Like that was just, I just never was going to do that. And yeah, but he had that that kind of bar you know that we all were trying to live up to and in some ways it's not like he was really honestly demanding it it was just kind of like you know it's like dad you want to make him proud no (laughs) totally so i think that that was why it was just i mean i i feel like i just put my head down and blinked and like three years went by and it sounds like he kind of created an environment where it's like hey the window is open for you to work super fucking hard here and like make a life for yourself in this way but it's not like you have to like it's take it or leave it it's what you put in is what you get out. Yeah. And and it's up to you, honestly. I have friends that live in Boulder that I need to go visit, so I'm going to go to this restaurant. Oh, please do. I mean, yeah. I, it's like, you know, like my alma mater. And, you know, yeah, no, they, it's your baby. It's my baby. And they opened up a, a few spots in Denver as well, too, that I actually oh, haven't cool. been to. But, yeah. So we've been talking for like 45 minutes about your career. <laughs> I'm restaurant. So and sorry. Like, no, 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 it's heaven. No, I, lo- I asked all the questions. What's funny is this show is ultimately about how you like to go out. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> which geez. is like what I want to talk about. Because honestly, this is another thing we love doing. Like, I love going out with you. And like, now yep. that you don't live in the city, I don't have to do it that often. But right, right. how do you, as someone who like is like a fine dining badass and whatever, like, how do you like to go out? So I thought about this because obviously I, I knew, you were, knew I was doing the show and I was like, I don't know why the fuck he's asking me. I don't go out. Um, but the thing that I love uh, and loved about living in New York is that you can have it all. And I don't think like look beyond Manhattan. So, you know, like me and my best friend Natalie would go to fucking Coney Island at 10 in the morning and spend three hours at the beach and then on our way home on the, you know, the F train only takes 30 minutes to get home. We're texting all of our other friends, meet us for this place for cocktails. Everyone goes home. Everyone gets changed, you know, little afternoon delight with the husband. Then everyone comes (laughs) over and you barbecue out like, and then play games till two in the morning. Like that to me was, you know, the community that you find in New York city. Like I, I don't, it obviously didn't happen until like year two, but that was one of my, 
you know, ideal situations of going out, but the spontaneity too of New York city, you know, it's, it's like, it's magic. And, and you kind of have to just like lean into it sometimes and have those experiences. My favorite time of the year to go out in New York city is actually around the holidays just because like no one's really there. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, quiet. It's quiet. And you know, I remember this, um, a few years ago, Brian and I, you know, we, we're East village kind of people. It's we're not really Manhattan people, but if we're going to go, it's East, East village. village. And I really wanted to take him to this, um, like cookbook shop that I had visited, you know, five years prior, my first trip to New York. And we went in there and this is Christmas Eve got like rare cookbooks, you know, from like the seventies and forties and stuff. I got like this potato book, that had forward by Truman Capote. It was like so bizarre. Like, but potatoes is like my favorite food. So, I mean, and then we're, perfect. yeah. And, and we had, I had booked us tickets to the, the comedy cellar. Oh, fun. Yeah. Like the seven thirty show. So we're like, let's just walk across and, you know, hit stuff up on the way. And we like just walked into McSorley's and it's all decorated. And like, I would never go in there <laughs> any other day of the year. Like, sure. but it was like cool because it's literally like, those are New Yorkers there on that day. And then, you know, we go to yeah. the comedy show or like get there early. We're in the front row and like Chris Rock ended up, you know, surprising and closing the show. And then, you know, we get out and we go to like Mamoons for falafel. I mean, just, you know, just like yeah. letting it happen. And yeah, the meander of a go out is yeah. like sort of the vibe. Yeah. Because for me, I obviously love to, to go out to restaurants. You know, I, I am that person, but it's different. I don't equate it with going out for me. Going out is more like you're going out to have an experience and just kind of yeah. like let it happen. And I think flow. maybe it's because I think maybe it's part of it is because like you're encountering amazing food and amazing drinks at work constantly. Yeah. So the thing you're chasing when you go out is more about like vibe and energy yeah. and like and experiences right? and experience. And it is about the things that you kind of have constant access to, you know, like, right. And like, that's it's funny because like I do think when I talk to I, a lot of the people I've interviewed for this show they talk a lot about like the late night go out like we talk a lot about like the dancing and the clubbing and the you know right. and like now that I don't work in the restaurant industry like that has become a part of my life in a way that it used to not because it's like like if you're gonna like have a functional life and like work in a restaurant like being out at 5 a.m is just like really not conducive like you will just right. start to like wither totally. but now it's like a little bit different like I can sleep in or whatever but you know like also, I'm not the, 25 anymore. Like, I, I just couldn't do that no, anymore. No, totally. You know? But it's like, yeah, there's very much that. But it's like, I do think, and I think it's a very industry, because so much of my adult life, all of my adult life was in the restaurant industry until recently. Like, though, what you described are my favorite days of, like, you know, starting at at 11 a.m. and kind of seeing where the day goes and, like, the spontaneity of it and just shooting a text and everyone meeting up, like, that sort of slow roll of it is such a lovely like leisure leisurely way to like experience a day in new york and yeah. that's how you have like those surprises of like catching chris rock at a comedy show you know it's like yeah, it, i know new york has I mean, the opportunity for that right it, it's so true and like i think that you know i all of my family would always be like oh you're gonna become a new yorker and like blah 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 and you know everyone's just so focused on manhattan but there's so much more to new york state you know like uh, again the beach is a 30 minute train ride. If you want to go hiking, it's like an hour train ride. Like then you have the city. If you want, you have wineries, if you want to, like, there's just so much more 
to offer and and, and then it also expands like frankly to like when your friend like you moves upstate and now you yeah, have like a place exactly. up you can go visit if they live upstate. I know. And it, like it honestly expands your new york experience to like it the does. state and like the surrounding area like i have a friend I have friends who bought a beach house in Asbury, so like, yes. which is Jersey, but like, do you know what I mean? But that Beautiful expands place, part of your like, right. oh my god, if you want a Beautiful. fun night, go to Asbury Park for like a weekend. It's the fucking best it's in the so summer. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the best. But like, you, but that kind of expands your New York world a little bit because like, right. as you just are here for longer and longer time, like that starts to happen. Totally. And like, you know, I have to give a shout out to my friends, my crew who have already come and visited me and stayed with me. Like, you know, it's always scary to you know move obviously out of a place where all of your friends are but you know it like I'm only you know I'm only like a couple hours above the city it's not like I moved out of the state so um and you're you're on the train line which is like the key like yeah exactly like the Hudson Amtrak is so beautiful I suggest to everyone it's so (laughs) it's magical beautiful it's I just so beautiful the it goes the it's the is it is it the Ethan Allen um no, it is because I think the Ethan Allen runs on that. That's when I take home to Vermont. Oh, I don't know, but there is. I mean, Amtrak does run, you know, Vermont all the way down to Virginia, so yeah. you could, you know, it's hop so on beautiful. At any point. That's it's amazing. so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it like runs by a bunch of like lakes and shit with mountains. It looks like fucking Lord of the Rings. Totally, but um, yeah, I'm like going out so, up here is so different. <laughs> I'm sure it's just like what, like a very nice like farm to table restaurant, and then one of you has to drive home. <laughs> yeah, I know, like. <laughs> The driving sucks. I mean, it it is the one thing that I'm like, ugh, God, it was really nice just to slum it on the train, you know. I know it's the it's or even just walk, like or even just walk, yeah. Like I went out to we, me and my friend went to Miss Ada, which is like one of my favorite restaurants. Like yes, love that place. Yeah, David and I went to Miss Ada like two nights ago. Oh right, and um, ate ourselves to like a medical issue. And then I was like, That's we have true. to walk home. Like, I know it's cold yeah. out, but like, we have to walk or it's going to really be not good for me. And like, right. we, we did, but yeah. Right. Yeah. And the luxury of that is so nice. I know. It's like my, our first anniversary, we went to Le Cuckoo and uh, <sighs> was just, I mean, styled out, you know, very lovingly. And I was like, I cannot breathe even at like entree and so we literally like yeah. walked across the fucking manhattan bridge yes <laughs> at, like one in the morning no, i'm like i gotta magic. walk this off yeah and we literally just walked all the way back to bed i was like i just i can't you know so no. also where else can you do walking that? across the bridges is one of my favorite things to do in new york walking across any of the 100%. bridges is so good and when it's warm out do it i mean if you want to yeah. do it in the cold god bless but in the summer walking across the bridges <laughs> yeah. truly heaven yeah it's lovely okay we've come to the end which is sad because i could talk to you for 100 hours <laughs> yeah. um i'm curious like what are as someone who's like worked in all the wines and stuff like what is something you wish that more people just like understood about getting wine out when like in your in a restaurant setting or something that was like a thing you realized about wine just like leave the folks with i'm curious like from a guest perspective or from I don't even know what I, like, I don't, like, yeah, I guess, like, from a guest perspective, or also, like, this thing that you're, like, oh, a lot of people think that this about wine, but it's actually this, or, like, they think they like this, but it's actually this, you know? Or, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, there's no such thing as, you like a dry red wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all red wines are dry, unless they're from California, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so, dry is, you know, useless. it's yeah. residual sugar in the wine. When you say that to a 
a wine person or a sommelier, dear listener, they are thinking in their head, this doesn't mean anything to you, uh, to me. So, you know, that's why it's as a Psalm's job to be like, okay. And I can't tell you, everyone, you know, is so intimidated, I think, more so when they go to a restaurant and a Psalm's like, what do you want? You know, and they're like, I like a dry red wine, it's medium body. And I'm like, cool. Tell me, you know, do you like something more fruity or more spicy? Do you like something that's fuller bodied or lighter bodied? How yeah. much money, how much money do you want to spend? Like, I feel just like that ask. was something, yeah, I feel like that was something you, <laughs> you really know? taught me about working with wine was like a big thing you're doing is that you're working against is like the innate at- intimidation. Yes. And the more you can break down the intimidation and be like, don't be shy. Like, it's not your job to know about wine. It's mine. So literally right. just say words, give me anything right. yes. and I'll take care of it. But like, you need to give me something, but don't be intimidated. Well, and it's also ask simple questions, you know, yeah. as a service person and as the guest, you know, like, don't be afraid to say what you want, because it's like almost like a little algorithm, you know, in your head that you're going through these yes, no answers to kind of narrow it down. And, and, you know, for me, again, as a guest, like, please tell me how much money you want to spend. Don't say keep it reasonable. That means it's so subjective. So yeah. subjective. That could be such a wide range of numbers. For me, when I go out, I want to spend fifty dollars on a bottle. I I actually hate going out with other psalms or telling people I'm a sommelier when I go out because they immediately yeah. think I want to spend like two hundred dollars on a bottle. Like, no, I don't know how much money you think I make, but like, no. So yeah. just tell them, like, hey, and I'm looking conversely, for. Like yeah. a good psalm's not going to judge you for being like, I don't want to oh go over eighty bucks. Like they're Absolutely not, and also like. Not. To make a Psalms job fun, like for me, it was always like, it like what was fun was being like, ooh, like okay, they want this, 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 and it's under eighty dollars. Like, let me go look at the fridge and like see what like and like it was like a game, like you know. Yes. And it's like, yeah, I I don't yeah. I don't resent. Granted, I mean, like every once in a while, someone would be like, I want a bottle that's thirty dollars. I'm like, okay, well, the cheapest bottle we have is forty five. So like, you need right. to like work with me a little bit. But like that's totally. a different conversation. But like totally different. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's like, yeah, that that could I think be that's an a, improvement. <laughs> yeah, I think that is incredible advice advice to leave on. Yeah, um, Erica, right. you are a fucking star. And You're icon, a rock star. God the greatest yeah. som- sommelier I've ever worked with and known. <laughs> oh my God, you're going to me cry. Jeez. Well, you're a Leo. I got to give it to you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seaside. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. <laughs>